Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. On today's episode of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs, I have a fantastic conversation with a long-term abuse survivor, Michelle Hext. Now, just to be super clear from the get-go, this is not the type of interview that Michelle would normally do. That's because she's a highly successful businesswoman and she would normally be on podcasts talking specifically about ways to be successful in business. So she's had three decades in the mentoring and coaching sphere and she is super accomplished, not just in terms of being a businesswoman, but she's a fighter and she has been super passionate about Taekwondo and she has a fifth degree black belt in Taekwondo with a place in the Australasian Martial Arts Hall of Fame. She has had her own um, school, Taekwondo school, martial arts school, and she has just She's pretty unstoppable, really. So this is why I felt it really important to have a conversation with someone who is thriving after going through some incredibly difficult adversities. I won't go into those now, but Michelle does talk about the you know really complex adversities that she went through and came out the other side of. So Michelle is truly inspirational in showing other women what they can do by getting super creative and super resourceful. Okay, so let's open the door on this week's episode and see how women can thrive again after being impacted by an abusive relationship. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Hello, Michelle, and a very, very warm welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast. I am so grateful to you for agreeing to come on as a special guest today. There's um, a lot that I want to canvas with you because I know that you are a survivor of an abusive relationship um, but that has not defined who you are and you are what I would describe as a real go-getter in life and you are a very successful businesswoman um, and this all happened post your experience with an abusive relationship. So could you just chat with me for a little bit and just um, let the listeners know a little bit about your backstory yeah. to give it some context? That'd be great. Okay, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so when you talk about a, an abusive relationship, you know, there have been many, to be honest, um, and they started very early. You know, my first abuser was my father. You know, he was, I grew up in domestic violence um, he was aggressive. He was violent, um, and it wasn't 
a fun childhood, you know, um, and my mum was abusive as well for a period of time there. So I, up until about the age of, till I moved out of home, actually, really at 16, there was ongoing abuse in my home. And so my, um, yeah, as I say, my father was violent and all of those things. My mum was obviously having a very hard time. She copped the brunt of it. Um, but she was she was verbally and physically abusive to me as well. So I had a lot of um, fear. My radar was going, you know, full time when I was growing up. Um, my mum left my dad when I was 10. Um, she moved in with my stepfather not long after that. And the abuse continued for a long time. I don't know exactly how long, but, you know, we were living with my stepfather. He wasn't my stepfather at the time, obviously. He was mum's boyfriend big, strong man, a bricklayer. And we'd moved away and my father would turn up in the middle of the night drunk and just beat my stepdad up, take my brother, um, you know, basically yell at us for not wanting to go with him because we didn't love him, you know, all of that manipulation that went on. And so that was, you know, probably until I was 10 or 12, that, that was all happening. And in amongst it, I had an abusive uncle. So my favorite auntie, um, it was her husband. He was abusing me from the time I was six until about the time I was 10. So that was sexual abuse. Um, and so, you know, I'd had a lot of that early on. And then I remember we moved away. So we'll, my mum was with my stepdad and we moved away. We moved to this very small country town and I felt very, very safe there. But I remember we were getting ready to leave um, and my mum and stepdad were in the house they were having a party I was outside asleep in our caravan because we were going to sleep in there and then go the next day and I remember waking up and there was a, a hand came through the window and was touching me and it was the next door neighbor he was naked and he was being very inappropriate and I remember that was the third one and I just remember thinking what is it about me like, what is it about me that attracts this? And so, you know, we fast forward many years and, you know, my very first boyfriend, like my first like long-term boyfriend, he did so many things that were amazing for me. He was, he was very driven. Um, he had goals, you know, and he was very committed to those things. He had had a very troubled childhood. His, his father, you know, had become homeless and things like that. Um, but he was so great at showing me what was possible. But my mum has a different take on it. You know, she said he was so controlling. He controlled everything that you said and everything that you did. And I'm like, I don't remember it like that, you know, but I look back now and I thought, yeah, I was trying to be, I was trying to be, um, what's the word? Um, the opposite of a second-class citizen, you know what I mean? Some Somebody like the, the, not the perfect person, but like not the person that I grew up to be. I was trying to be, I can't think of the word, but you know what I, where I'm going. Yeah. And so then, you know, that, that relationship ended. We were together from, I was 16 until I was about 22, mm. off and on in the last few years, but for a long time. So he was a significant part of my life. And I actually, um, I actually am really grateful for him. So even though, um, well, that came out of nowhere. Um, so even though um, 
there was some control and things going on. I didn't see it. I didn't recognize it. Um, and I was just happy, you know, that under while I was with him, I went back to school. I traveled to the US for the first time on my own at 20 for like three months. I did my pilot's license. Like I did a lot of things that I would never have done without his influence. So, wow. So it sounds as though, you know, he saw so much potential in you and he ignited that, you know, self-belief that you didn't know even how to access before yeah. he came yeah. along. So, and this is just, you know, one thing that when you sort of look back at your past and, you know, you can't fathom how when you say, life was happening for me, how that could possibly be true. Yeah. But then when you meet somebody who, yes, he may be patrolling, but what he did is he breathed life into you. And, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. So and I, sorry. I see your potential. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, I, you know, I always had the drive. I was always very feisty and fiery and, you know, I didn't feel like, a victim, I felt like a fighter. I always felt like a fighter. And so I think, you know, looking back at that relationship, I think the thing that um, makes me emotional is just having the realisation right now that he was actually doing the best that he could based on, um, you know, the childhood that he had had, you know, and he in all likelihood didn't even realise he was doing it himself. And we were kids, you know, we were little kids. Well, we weren't little, but, you know, 16. He was maybe, I don't know, a couple of years older than me. But anyway, moving on from that, um, then fast forward a number of years and I met my ex-husband, my first ex-husband, who is the father of my children. And he was my martial arts instructor. So I, I discovered Taekwondo by this stage and loved it, fell in love with it, fell in love with it. And this, you know, my mom, I remember her saying to me early on, um, I'm noticing some patterns here with him based on the previous boyfriend. And I'm like, oh, no, you just don't get it. <laughs> like, you just don't get it. This person's like a guru. He's got his third Dan. He runs martial arts schools. Like, he's, you know, no, 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 he would never do that. And because I had this, um, like, I'm a really trusting person, actually. And I just think if somebody is in a position of authority like that, and for me, martial arts means something, you know, and, 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 it just means so much, the integrity of it and everything else. Um, and so I just assumed he had that, you know. And so that was a very much a roller coaster relationship of control, of financial control, of all of the sorts of control. Um, and I fought it tooth and nail, but I loved him and I wanted to stay. There was no physical violence, but there was every other sort of you know, abuse going on. And any time, you know, so I was a successful Taekwondo competitor. And whenever the newspapers would come and interview me, he didn't like it. And he would say things like, if you just be quiet and let me talk, because I'm the instructor. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I really felt put back in my place many times. But I also remember having this feeling of that doesn't feel right. You know, it just doesn't feel right. And I remember having many conversations with him and saying, okay, are you my instructor right now or are you my husband? 
Like, you know, what, what's the deal? You know, because he used to try to use this instructor thing all the time in our relationship. It was just a, another tool that he had. And so things like that would happen. Um, I remember going to a fight and it was, a you know, an important fight for me. And he just did everything that he could to undermine my training and get in my head before the fight. And I lost. And it was good for him. Like that's exactly what he wanted because he didn't want me to make national team and go overseas without him. And so there was so much undermining and manipulation going on. And, you know, I've got this thing going on with myself about wanting to be the respectable person. That's that's the word I was going for before. I wanted to be the respectable person when I felt like I wasn't because of the things that had happened to me. And so um, he really, really went out of his way to, to, you know, to do all those things. And so that marriage was a shit show. Honestly, it was like it was. And, and then I um, decided to leave and it was, I remember it was Christmas Day and then I, he, he asked me to come back to the house. I drove to my family and I went back and then, you know, I was pregnant. And so I stayed. So I was pregnant with my son. By the time I left him the second time for good, I left and then discovered I was pregnant with my daughter, but I'm like, there was no going back by this stage. And one of the things that occurred during this time, which is very, very heavy, um, is the police knocked on my door one day and they said to me, we need to talk to you about abuse allegations against your husband. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they said there have been charges laid or something along those lines for sexual penetration of a minor under his care. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, that would never have happened. I've gone back to my mum and I'm like, mum, they're saying this. And my mum looked at me and she said, Shell, people don't make that shit up. But there's smoke, there's fire, and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I've got kids with this man. And so I went back to the police and I sat down and I said, I don't know anything, but you can ask me anything you want. And so they asked me a lot of questions, things that were like, whereabouts is your bed in relation to the window? In his car, what sort of car seat covers does he have? Tell me about the schedule, you know, like it was corroborating type stuff. I never witnessed anything. I never had anything like that. And long story short, he went to jail. I was a witness for the prosecution. He became aggressive. He became violent at one point. he, he launched an all-out assault to bring me down in my business. I had martial arts schools at the time. In my business, in my personal life, he kept taking me to court before these, it's so, it went on for so long, but before these allegations happened, he was dragging me to court every five minutes, making lies, you know, just lying about she drink drives, you know, she beat my, you know, because he had a son before me, a disabled child. You know, I've got photos. She beat him to a pulp and took me to court over this stuff and none of it ever happened. And I was a freaking mess. You know, I was just a walking nerve ending for probably a decade, I reckon. Um, If it wasn't family court, it was other litigation, it was everything. And then when he was arrested and, and up on these charges, all of that stopped. And it was like, thank 
But then the other stuff started because I was a witness for the prosecution. And then the interim, he'd had a conversation with me where he said, can you help me? And I said, if you mean, if you admit what you did because you did it, will I support you? If you admit it and you get help, will I support you? Yes. But if you mean lie for you in court, that is not happening. And that's when the, you know, the full-on assault started after that. So he was, you know, that trial went on for a very long time because he kept delaying it, delaying it. It was affecting my business. I had to drop everything and run and go and sit in a courtroom. And then eventually he went to jail. Then he got out on appeal and we had to do it all again. But there were multiple allegations. So Multiple. can we just talk about that period because that's a very intense period yeah. in your life and when you were talking about how your self-perception as being a, a fighter, um, you know, I see you as being a warrior, really needing to actually stand and fight and, yeah, there's no, there's no just sidestepping any of it it's there and you have to actually stand up and confront um everything as it's going and I you know really uh appreciate what you said about you're a walking nerve end that was a really good way of describing that um what it does to your nervous system and so how because that that I see that period of your life, I can really see that as you being in survival mode. You know, it's you didn't have any alternative. You had to keep fighting, and um, and what that does to your nervous system is absolutely terrible. So, how did you navigate those impacts? Because it would have been a full time job for you during oh. that period, yeah. let alone you trying to carry on any type of consistency in your business you know how did that go for you Michelle because it's just you know incredibly hard yeah you know I look back on that time and there was financial abuse he left me with nothing you know I left him and then he made sure there was nothing so and then I, I had a baby on my own and I was back teaching my I was back teaching classes a week after I gave birth you know it was traumatic but I had no choice. My family was two and a half hours away. I was trying to be a good mum, you know, and not have the mum guilt for leaving my kids while I had to go teach classes and martial arts classes. It was back in the back in the day. So I guess luckily for me, right, I I have this thing within me where it's like, okay, well, I have to rise above this. I have to think bigger. I have to go bigger because the buck stops with me and I'm not going to settle. So it, I was not about to go and just lay down. I wasn't going to do that. Like I knew what I wanted. I still saw myself as, you know, I'd had a taste of success in business and it's like I see myself as a successful businesswoman. I see myself as somebody that is successful. That's how I saw myself. And it's like, well, this shit just has to be handled because, like, like, this is just what needs to happen. And so I don't know how I did it, but I just remember dreaming bigger. You know, and one of the very first things that I did, you know, I was running my martial arts out of um, 
school halls and things like that. And it's like, well, I'm going full time and I'm going to open a gym and I'm going to do these other things. And so around that time, I remember going and on on the trading post, you know, the Australian trading post, it used to be that magazine, uh, that newspaper, I found whole complete gym, $5,000. And I'm like, awesome. So I just used the money that I had in my back pocket. I drove to Frankston. This guy, this big bodybuilding guy opens, he was in his 60s. He opens the door and he goes, here it is. And it was like scrap metal. It was just, everything was piled on top of each other and it was a hot mess. But there was a, there was a piece of gym equipment in there, a universal 11 station. And I'm like, that's worth every penny. So I remember getting all of the equipment back. I rented a factory at this stage um, and I basically, there was a big area that I used for my dojang. There was an office, there was a little lounge area. And then I set up a personal training gym. And there was also another room that I set up as a treatment room. And so I put all the scrap metal in this hidden room at the back. And then one by one, I pulled out the equipment and I polished it and I reupholstered it myself and I set up my gym. And then I just, I didn't actually use that universal station. I just sold everything else. And it just paid for everything that I needed. And then one of the things that I found, I don't know how I found it, but it was like this Dead Sea body wrap that would help you lose weight. And I'm like, oh, my people will be all over this. And so I went and got certified. I bought the stuff and then I was doing these detox body wraps. And I remember they were they were $135 and they cost me $15 to do. So I knew if I sold 10 of those in a month, that would pay my rent. So I was like painting freaking clay on hairy men and, you know, (laughs) all these people and putting these wraps around them. And I hated every second of it, but it was like paying my rent. It was really lucrative. And I just got creative. You know, I just found ways to, to make ends meet. And I was so focused on where I was going. And this is probably the most important thing that I'll say. Like I've always been focused on where I'm going I look at what is, I accept what is, I make peace with what is, but it's like I'm not even thinking about this because I'm going there and my thoughts and my actions and my activity and everything is in that forward kind of movement. That's not to say I didn't have moments. Every day I was opening the mail and there was a threatening letter or there was something, right, and, you know, again, my nerves were so shot, but I was good at managing them. But every time I went to the letterbox, it would rise. You know, every time something happened, I was just like in the red zone again. Yeah. But I just kept talking myself off the ledge. And it's like, okay, this this is temporary. And I remember this too shall pass. It was written everywhere around the house. This too shall pass. And it's like, it will, it'll pass, it'll pass, it'll pass. And so I I just had a lot of that sort of self-talk going on. Do you know the serenity prayer at all? It's, no. Uh, so it's God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. And yeah. it sounds as though that's exactly what you've applied in your life. One of the things that really struck me is that you said that you broke things down. So you went, oh, right. If I sell 10 of these a month, then I have covered my rent. Instead of going, I just need to manifest, I need to manifest, 
the monthly rent, you've gone, right, I need to pay the rent. And if I do this 10 times, that'll pay the rent. And that's really practical. And I think, you know, for me, that is really empowering and that's a really important message to share with other women. Yes. Instead of getting in this place of like wishful thinking that, you know, we really need it, you know, the universe is going to look after me, you know, if I just keep wishing and believing it will come and the money will just magically fall into my lap. Instead, get really practical, be prepared to try something and work it out. Say, okay, well, if I pick up a casual job and if I, you know, do X amount of hours, I'm going to get this much money and this will fit in with the kids and life and everything else. And that'll get us by, that'll get us through this period. And um, that's, I really appreciate that you have highlighted that you had a a really pragmatic approach to it. It wasn't airy fairy. No, all the way along. I've always been that way. And I think I've always been a manifester, but I didn't like back then we weren't calling it manifesting. It wasn't a thing. The secret hadn't arrived yet. You know, like none of that had happened. And so even with the Taekwondo school, it's like, okay, if I get this many students, that will be this. You know, I've always figured out what do I want? Like, what do I want? This is what I want. Why do I want it? Yep. Do I like my why? Yep. It's all pretty good to me. It's like, now how do we make this happen? And it's like, okay, so I need 10 of these people. And then I start thinking about, you know, so for example, with the wraps, it's like, okay, so I'll run some ads in the paper. Um, I'll get referrals happening. I'll talk to my, the mums in my, you know, the, the Taekwondo students' mums and things like that. And then I worked out, oh, I can sell bundles of them. And if I sell one bundle a month, that pays the rent and things like that. And so I was just really very, very practical. And I definitely had visions of greater wealth but I, I wasn't going to go from a standing start to suddenly being a millionaire. You know what I mean? Like we weren't even t- like mil- seven figure entrepreneurs weren't even on our rate. We're, I'm talking yeah. in the nineties, you know, early nineties, mid nineties. And so um, for me, like it had to be practical. It's like, if I want, like be clear, why do I want it? Do I like my why? Yes. And it's like, okay, how are we going to make this thing happen? And then I would just brainstorm a hundred different ways that I could make things happen. And I was looking at, I was a hustler, right? So I was looking at ways. So I could have just focused on the Taekwondo school, but it's like, but I can do so much more. So I got my personal training qualification. I got my detox body wrap certification and whatever the hell else I could do, you know, to, to make it all meet. And at one point I had, two facilities. I had a, a different Taekwondo school. I'd moved. I'd gotten rid of the PT. I was, I because I had an online fitness business by that stage, I think. I had um, my Taekwondo school on one side of the street, my um, business coaching offices on the other side of the street. And I wasn't paying rent because it was two rooms. I painted them. I made them beautiful and I sublet one and it paid my rent and their rent and some. So, you know, I've always just been good at because I had to be, I've been good at making like a lot out of a little bit. Um, And that's been my greatest strength, but it also became later my, my greatest weakness. 
So can you explain yeah. that? How, yeah. how so because I do I totally get that how our strengths can be our weaknesses and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, my business, my coaching business has been doing very well for a long time, but I hit these ceilings and I um stay there too long, you know, and I get too much into trying to make ends meet mindset when I don't need to do that anymore. And when we do that, we create it. And so, you know, the concept of limitlessness and things like that, like that is not something that comes easily to me. You know, I'm always running the numbers in my head. I'm always, you know what I mean? So that part of me still, it's, it's smaller and she's quieter, but she's still there. And so it's, you know, that whole identity shift that we need to make before we move into the next kind of version of ourselves. And it's letting go of that woman that I was so freaking proud of because she started from nothing, you know, and all of those strategies and tactics and tools and mindsets and the thinking and the hustle that got me where I, you know, past survival into thriving. And it's, it's hard to say goodbye to her. But she doesn't need to be here anymore in that form. I think that uh, in a way, I think that that's part of part of the progression. But also as you were talking about that, it reminded me um, of the Howard Hughes story and Howard Hughes, he was hugely successful um, and he took some really massive risks with um with his aviation business and with the film business and like he almost risked everything or like he missed he would risk his main source of income to invest in the, his passion projects and he would and his vision was always incredibly big and risky and scary and so on the one hand he when he did it in that moment that he needed to say yeah let's go for it let's do this let's put everything on the line let's do it he would do it with such confidence you know and a plume but he would crumble you know like within a day or so of doing that because I don't think that you can ever take risk without it hitting you that that's what you've done and you know so I don't think that anyone's really impervious to that I think that if we are going to take small risks that it's not really going to impact on us much because we haven't got that much to lose but it's when we put things on the line and that's you know I, I don't know that it's so much that we're still in that same zone that we were in before or it's just a natural thing of the balance you know that if the greater the risk the greater you know that's going to hit you and you're going to have to deal with that and be confronted by that like holy crap look what I've just done I've just put all of this on the line you yeah know, and wait yeah. to see if if you're if it's going to pay off if you know yeah I don't I don't like think that. that's it for me though because okay. I'm a big risk taker I always yeah. have been yeah. Um, I take risks before breakfast. You know what I mean? Like that is who I am. And I'm prepared for the fallout because sometimes it's like, holy crap, what have I done? Yeah. Um, so I don't think it is that. I feel like it's definitely still a part of, if we go back to the start of the conversation where I was talking about 
um, you know, needing, wanting to be the respectable, the respectable person. Yes. You know, that was present in that first relationship. It was present in my other significant relationship. It's not a thing now. You know what I mean? It was like, because I let that go. That part of me had to go. There was no need for me to feel like I had to prove or whatever around that. And I did the work around shame, you know, realizing that tip, you know, that, that, common thing where you realize I've been carrying around this shit this shame when it's actually not mine to carry like it's theirs you know and I kind of handed it back to them and I'm like I'm good now you know like I am not a second-class citizen and I started to just have compassion and love for that woman that you know that young girl that was doing whatever she had to do to get to that phase and so for me it feels like it's something like that yeah. It's like you don't have to fight for every dollar. You don't have to fight for every win. You don't, it doesn't have to be asked to the wall, life or death for it to be successful. Because sometimes I feel like I do kind of like take a few, it's take a few risks to see if it'll all come tumbling down. So I get to build it up again because that's exciting. Yeah. But it's like, I don't need to do that. I don't want to, do, I don't need that in my life. And so I feel like it's like, I don't need to prove that anymore. I don't need to prove that I can, make a success of something from a standing start and start again and reinvent and things like that. I don't need to do that. There's and so, so much freedom in that, Michelle, that you yeah. like, you know, don't hold yourself under that kind of pressure that you've got to, you feel that you have to prove something by succeeding because, yeah, it's a, it's a terrible burden to carry that around when you need to be just accepting you for who you are right now and what you have and, and be really okay with all of that so that you have the energy to really pour yourself fully into whatever it is that, you, you know, the next thing that you want to do or try. Yeah, for me, the only person I have to prove anything to, the only person I need to make proud is myself. Yeah. You know, I know that, you know, I'm loved by the people around me. I know my kids love me. My mum loves me. You know, my partner loves me. My friends love me. I know that my clients love, you know, I know I am loved. I don't need to prove anything to anybody. Their perception of me is a hundred times higher than my perception of myself. You know what I mean? I, but I don't feel like I need to live up to any expectations or anything like that. I set my own. I set my standards. I set my expectations. I'm self-driven. Um, you know, and I just know myself so well and I go within. I figure out within myself what's next, what do I need to do, what am I feeling right now, what's going on here, and I just am I'm a well of, like, resourcefulness within myself. And I think that's what anybody, everybody needs to develop, you know, especially in this fast foods social culture world we're so busy looking outward for the answers everywhere else, but we've got it. We've got it. Sometimes it shuts down and things like that, but we've got to be quiet long enough and still long enough to let the voice be heard. You know, recently I've, I've reconnected with a friend of mine and she started doing my journaling prompts on my Instagram. I do journaling prompts every day. And she said, oh, my God, I hated this. It was like pulling teeth. And she said it was just like razor blades you know, for the first age. And now she can't stop. She said, now I've got to the other side and I can see it's all coming. And so that's kind of what it's like, right? We've got to get past the discomfort. We've got to, you know, we're going to have all of the past things haunting us and the, you know, or whatever, right? And we've just got to get underneath that. And if you can be patient and 
strong enough to hang on to get through to the other side, you're going to find everything you need is within you. You're a well of resourcefulness. You've got it within you. You're a well of strength. And you know, the only way you find that is to go inside and, and bring it out. Yeah, that's great advice. And just, you know, from your your vast experience as a coach, because you got into the coaching sphere, how many, like two decades ago? or yeah, in, the 90s, 90s, in the 90s. 90s, yeah. yeah. So you've been in that sphere for a long time. And when speaking to this audience, which is other women who have been impacted by domestic abuse, abuse what um you know what advice would you give them in getting their life back on track again i suppose i would just start to think about what do you want you know when we're focused on what we fear what we don't want that's where i was that decade you know a lot of it especially in the early days I was in, I don't want to check the mail. I don't want to have to deal with the emotions of checking the mail. I don't want to answer the phone. I don't want to, and I don't want this to happen. And I don't want more of this. And so like, that's all I could think of for such a long time. And it was when I realized, okay, I'm thinking a lot about what I don't want. (laughs) And what a shock. A lot of what I don't want is happening. So then I started to think about, well, what do I want? What do I want? And then it was like, well, I want this. This is what I want. And I wanted to be a successful businesswoman. I wanted to have lots of money. I wanted to be a good mother to my children. I wanted to create stability and all of those things. I wanted to be a leader and a role model in that space, In the, you know, and I was in the martial arts space. And so it's like, okay, this is what I want. And I created a really compelling vision for myself. And then... I asked myself, what can I do today? That was it. And I remember just saying, I'm going to start with what I have right now without needing anything else. What have I got? And so you've got to look at the opportunities that you have in front of you right now that probably don't feel like opportunities or you feel like there's none. So you've got to look for the gold. So it's like, okay, this is shit. Like I'm, things are coming at me from all angles. You know, we're financially strapped, all those things, right? All of those things are going on. And you can ask yourself, okay, so that's that's that side of things. What opportunities do I have right now? And then you can start thinking things like, well, what I know for sure is that there have been many people in my situation who go on to create amazing things. If it's possible for them, it's possible for me. All right, right now, what are my opportunities? Well, I've, I'm healthy. Like there's that. Like I've got my health. There are a lot of people that don't have my health, that don't have health like this. Um, I have the ability to go and, you know, what I love, right, this is the thing that I didn't have back in the day. But what you can have right now, you're going to look at your strengths and the things that you do naturally. So a lot of people could be, virtual assistants or, you know, um, personal concierges or whatever, like you don't need any formal training for that, right? And you can just go, okay, what are my skills? And you can write down 10 things like, okay, I know how to use, I know how to send emails. I know how to post on social media. I know how to whatever, right? List all the things and then think, okay, so what, what have I got here? 
And then start to look around at what people are doing with your skill set because you can start a business on Facebook with a free Facebook business page, with a free Instagram account, um, with no overheads whatsoever. You just need a really tight package in terms of like, okay, for um, $100, I'll do this. Or for $500 a month, I'll do this. And then go, okay, how many do I need? I need to make five grand a month. I need to sell 10 of those. And then get practical. So figure out what you want. Figure out like you a way to make it happen. Go to YouTube, read books, all of those things. There's so much available now. But I would definitely be taking control back, financial control back by starting my own business off a shoestring and just hustling my ass off until I got where I needed to be and then things get easier. Yeah, yeah, fantastic advice. Yeah. Now, I think um, one thing that is available for us to learn is resourcefulness and resilience and we, you know, we have plenty of opportunities in life to learn those skills. And so, yeah, don't, I think one of the things that really helped me too is that I gave myself permission to make mistakes. I just said, right, I don't know everything. I don't know exactly what I need to do to get to where I want to go but I'm going to allow myself to explore and learn and probably learn by making a few mistakes along the way. But that's okay because that's all part of life and that's it's mistakes are just feedback for us. So uh, we don't want to make the same mistakes over and over, but if we, we listen each time we make a mistake and listen to the feedback that that's giving us. You're not so, going to get there without making mistakes. Yeah never going to get anywhere without making mistakes they're, they're part of it we need to normalize that it really is part of the process yeah um, and just fail often and fast and forward you know but take I like that yeah i love so that one of the things that i you know i've launched over probably close to 500 coaching based products now wow. i don't know what percentage but m- m- more wow. of them failed more of them failed than succeeded. succeeded but yeah. i'm launching a hundred in a year when other people are sitting around with their finger up their butt (laughs) thinking about launching one thing you know what I mean and so it's like no I'm just going to keep throwing stuff at the internet something's going to stick and I just I'm not attached to it I used to think every failure you know every it's like this is life or death if this doesn't work and the money doesn't come in like we're all going to die sort of thing and it's never that way we're always so much more resourceful than we than we think and the universe is on our side so you know, we're not going to be in that position. There are things for us to be able to do and resources for us to be able to access and all the rest of it. But yeah. Absolutely. On that note, I'm just so grateful for this time talking with you, Michelle. Um, Would you like to leave some links for people if they'd like to check you out and connect with you? Yeah, so you, the best place um, to get in touch with me is my Instagram. So it's my name, Michelle Hext, and my website is michellehext.com. So um, if you listen to this podcast, I would love to hear from you. Drop me my DMs for sure. Um, and, yeah, but that's, they're basically the best two ways to get in touch. Fantastic. And because this podcast is called Tiara's Tears and Triumphs, 
for the final question, what does that title mean to you as a woman, Michelle? Tiara's Tears and Triumphs. So the tiara is basically just wear the crown, you know, unapologetically, powerfully show up with your crown atop your head and just own it. Don't make apologies for it. Be all here or everything that you came here to be in the most fully expressed most powerful version of you like do that that's wearing the crown um the tears are part of it you know women especially are emotional beings you know sometimes we shut it down and all the rest of it i'm i'm emotional there are tears tears aren't bad for me I'm, I cry happy tears as much as I cry sad tears, probably more happy tears than anything else. Tears are just a thing, right? They don't actually mean anything other than the meaning that you give them. And the triumphs is th there is always a triumph. There is always a triumph. This too shall pass. You know, you're creating success one step at a time and you will, you will always triumph. Um, there is no failure. There really is no failure. You just got to keep keep putting one foot in front of the other and yeah acknowledge I guess when it comes to trying acknowledge the small triumphs be be thankful for them yeah. acknowledge them feel them and then they give way to the bigger ones fantastic I couldn't agree more so yeah on that note thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast you are very welcome thanks so much for having me we all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow hosted by me sandy j this program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset spells out how to spot the red flags advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough 
teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on, to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe, Sandy.